the Rural Health Voice, Episode 45, Area Health Education Centers. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What the heck is an AHEC? Aileen Edwards-Harris, Executive Director of the Capital Area Health Education Center, gives us the answer. Welcome, Aileen. Hi, Beth. It's good to hear from you. Oh, it's so good to have you here and good to have a chance to talk to you, COVID or no. Yes. (laughs) So you are with the Capital Area Health Education Center, and you are one of eight area health education centers in Virginia. So first of all, what's the purpose of an AHEC? So what the heck is an AHEC, right? Um, Ah. (laughs) I'm going to give you a long answer. I hope that's okay. Um, Because I love talking about AHEC and a lot of our stakeholders and partners, they hear our names and they may do one activity with us, but they may not um, fully understand the the depth or the breadth of all the things that we do. Um, so if you will allow me that, um, you know, Beth, we were created by Congress in the early 70s. And I like sharing that to say that AHECs have been around nationally for a very long time. So we're talking, you know, 40 years or so. And so we are these community, community area health education centers. What we do is in our name. Um, and our, our goal, our overall, uh, mission is to in, enhance access to quality health care. But we do it by these three priorities. Um, it is our tagline. And many of our AHEC centers still use that tagline, just like myself. And that is connecting students to careers connecting professionals to community, and connecting communities to better health. That is who we are, and that is what we do. Now, I can expound upon that if you want me to, or I can shut up and let you ask me another question. No, let's hear it all. Okay. I love talking about those priorities uh, because they are um, important. And so because of those uh, three priorities, we have varying partners and stakeholders. And so first, I'd like to say that AHEX, uh, one, we're not cookie cutter organizations. Uh, we could be hosted by uh, schools like medical schools. We could be hosted by rural health offices. We could be hosted by community colleges. We could be hosted by other community organizations. And, you know, our first work is to do a needs assessment. What is it that your community needs and how can you as an AHEC center address that need, uh, whether it's a health priority or an educational uh, program? So AHECs get its work done through strategic alliances, through community, academic, and business partnerships. We do not do our work alone. So how do we address these three priorities? Connecting students to careers. Our pipeline, our student pipeline is critical. And AHEX, our claim to fame for a very long time, Beth, has been running student pipeline programs from uh, 
from kindergarten all the way up to college level is identifying students' interest in health careers and then nurturing and feeding that interest and keeping them in this pipeline. So across the country, some AHECs may have their own pipeline program. Uh, Capital AHEC, uh, you know, VCU is in my back door. They already have some hallmark pipeline programs. And thankfully, they bring me in as a partner. Uh, So I don't have to run my own pipeline programs. But the essence of this pipeline is that we want to ensure that there is a future uh, healthcare workforce. So the pipeline program is very, very important. So connect, uh, connecting professionals to communities. Uh, these professionals can be our health profession students. They can be us assisting in the recruitment and retention of primary care providers uh, in our communities, in the areas that need our primary care providers the most. AHECs do focus on primary care providers, services, and resources, our frontline uh, providers, whether it's uh, medically, dental, or, or mental health. Um, so across the country and here, I am very busy with coordinating and assisting in the coordination of placing a health profession student into our community uh, clinical sites. I work very, very closely with one of our federally qualified community health centers. Uh, they give me access to seven sites throughout the city of Richmond. And I hope to have the same relationship I have with that community health center with some other, uh, maybe some uh, private practices, uh, you know, pediatric offices, uh, family, you know, fam- other family health centers. Um, so placing these students in our communities is important. If they um, have a genuine passion to pursue primary care or serving our underserved populations, you know, AHEX, we feel that by assisting them in these placements gives them that opportunity to, to actually learn about the community they say they want to serve. And then lastly, uh, connecting communities to better health. Um, again, that's the essence, increasing access to care. That's where AHECs are very busy doing community engagement, uh, community programs, um, uh, with me, I do a lot of continuing education of our providers. I'm thrilled this year. Um, I have an MOU with the Old Dominion Medical Society. That is our minority providers across the state. And they will be looking to a- capital AHEC to uh uh, do these quarterly continuing education programs. And so I'm very excited to kind of be moving into that type of work. But um, I, I'm very engaged in the community. We have an annual community health block party. And so not only do we get to disseminate uh, important health information to our community, but I also get to recruit uh, students from our pipeline and our health profession students to be a part of the event. So they're get, getting that community-based hands experience by conducting these screenings. I use my college and high school students to run my registration or be involved in our surveying. So that's um, uh, a fun event. We have fitness warriors doing exercises every 30 minutes for our our residents and our vendors. Um, so I love my job, Beth, because it, we get to do a little bit of everything. But uh, those are our priorities, com- uh, connecting students to, to careers, our professionals to communities, and our communities to better health. 
That's my long answer. <laughs> no, it's a great answer. And, and as part of that long answer, you mentioned K through 12 involvement. Why do you think it's important to start so early? Um, well, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, uh, you know, our youth are impressionable. They, they know they, a lot of our youth want to serve. They want to help. For instance, I have twins and I have taken them with me, um, on some of my events and they love helping others. Um, I now can have these somewhat intelligent conversations with my twins, but my daughter knows that she wants to be a teacher. She wants to work with other, uh, uh, students like her. She wants to teach others. My son knows that he wants to help, but he's toying uh, between being a veterinarian because he because he he thinks he wants to. Uh, I I think because we have a lot of stuffed animals in the room, and that's where he that's who he's playing doctor on. Um, but so, but he's saying a veterinarian or a and a doctor, a medical doctor. So, um, you know, it's an opportunity to show students who have a wide uh, varying interest, um, how they can help serve. And I just feel like there are so many ways to help people and to serve others through our health careers. So when I have the opportunity to talk about why pursue a health career is I like talking about combining your interest and your skill sets. What do you do well and how can we match that to a health career? So you, you you talked about, you know, getting kids involved in the community and, and wanting to serve their community. Do you think it's important, you know, once students have, have gone through the, the process and, you know, become doctors, become nurses, become phlebotomists, become the the wide variety of health careers there are out there, is important is it important to have providers be able to go back to their home communities or are they pretty much interchangeable? Um, you know, it is interchangeable, but I, I tell you, um, we really try to, um, keep a relationship with those students who have a genuine interest in serving underserved populations and then giving those students opportunities to, to work in those areas, uh, in my region and across the state. Um, we do find that a lot of these students who say they're interested in rural health or they're interested in serving uh, the senior population or they're interested in serving uh, families, when we hear students who kind of know what they want to do, and if we're able to uh, complement that interest by uh, giving them exposure in those in those areas, they have a a great comfort level and hopefully a knowledge base. So their learning curve isn't large when they finally set up their private practice in that rural community or in that area to serve our senior populations or our minority populations. They have already had so many opportunities in which to serve that they're they are comfortable um, providing that their, their service uh, in those areas. Areas, so th that is the one of the main reasons why we are a part of assisting in their in their community based experiences. Is so that if is if the if this is what you say you want to do, we want to help you get there by by providing you the, with these meaningful experiences. And then we go even further uh, with the capital A heck. Uh, I even um, provide technical assistance to students, uh, to providers, and to medical facilities 
about these incentive programs that can kind of help offset some of their costs as they are providing our underserved populations, um, like our National Health Service Corps, um, our state's health department has loan repayment programs. So we try to be a part uh, from the moment they are recruited or, ident- or identified as having an interest all the way up to employment. Yeah, tell me, how are the AHECs funded? Well, uh, AHECs can have varying funding streams. Here in Virginia, we are mostly uh, federally funded. So HRSA, get, uh, there is an AHEC uh, department, um, so we are, federally def- we are federally funded. And so the AHEC system is one where uh, about 46 of our states has an AHEC system. So you have an AHEC program office that is the recipient of the federal funding, and they make these cooperative agreements with the organizations who become AHEC centers. Uh, so for instance, uh, I am a solely independent nonprofit who also has a cooperative agreement with the state program office and I operate as an AHEC center. Um, uh, one of my sister uh, AHECs, Paths in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, the, that is a federally qualified community health center that has a cooperative agreement with the AHEC program office. And they, uh, even though they are a community health center, they also act as an area health education center um, and so forth throughout the, the region. But we could, of course, apply for grants um, that will allow us to address a health disparity. Uh, AHECs are a part of a member organization called the National AHEC Organization. And the NAO has done a fabulous job within the past couple of years of increasing grant opportunities for AHEC. So, for instance, they may secure a partnership with the CDC HPV and they put out these mini grants. So for about a, a year and a half, Capital AHEC was a recipient to do that HPV work for the state of Virginia. So uh, even though we are federally funded, um, depending upon the state and the area across um, the nation, we may have varying funding streams. So what's the relationship then between the AHECs in Virginia and the Virginia Health Workforce Development Authority? So in Virginia, I believe I am correct in saying this. I know that this was true a couple of years ago, but I believe that Virginia is the only state that has an authority that also acts as our state AHEC program office. So the authority is the recipient of the HRSA grant funding to operate as the AHEC program office. Uh, the authority has been uh, created since the maybe around 2007, 2008, um, and it is to look at the recruitment and retention of our students um, to address that health workforce development um, and to uh, focus on our providers or do we have our providers and then in the areas across our state that need them the most so the authority does focus on our healthcare workforce development and they are also they wear two hats they uh 
they perform as an authority and they also perform as our state's AHEC program office. I think I said that correctly. Great. So within that, tell me about the AHEC Scholars Program. Thank you so much because I did neglect to to share that information, but that that for me that kind of fits under that prong of um, assisting students, um, connecting students to our communities, but also connecting our communities to better health. So, as of a couple of years across the nation, um, uh, when we got our last HRSA funding, they have required us to create this AHEC Scholars Program, and they required us to do this, Beth, because they knew we could do it. (laughs) Um, But the AHEC Scholars Program is that one program that despite the fact that we are not cookie cutter organizations, despite the fact that we may spend more of our time and effort in one of those priority areas than the other, this AHEC Scholars Program helps to um, it, it's that one standard kind of thing that we all do. So our AHEC Scholars Program is a two-year longitudinal interprofessional education program for health profession students. Uh, with this program, we're looking for health profession students in the last two years of their educational program. So, for instance, for the medical student, we were hoping to have the third and fourth year medical students. For dental, for dentistry, uh, it's the third and fourth year um, in, in the, for, of dental students. For nursing, a lot of our nursing programs are two years. Um, so our nursing students are eligible. But we were looking for students who are in the last two years of their educational program because they're closer to being out into the communities providing care. Um, but throughout that two years, they are required to receive some, uh, we'll call them modules. In Virginia, we call them modules as opposed to coursework. This coursework is to supplement their education in their program, not to replace it. Um, so while they're learning some of the science, you know, uh, of that particular discipline, the AHEC Scholars Program is talking more about society and health, um, interprofessional education, practitioner bias, cultural competency. Um, we recognize that these types of modules and courses and learning experiences may or may not be discussed throughout the education of that particular program, if that makes sense. So the AHEC Scholars Program is to supplement and complement one's educational experience, as well as uh, the coursework that is required. We also require our students to go out into community, and the community must be rural, inner city, underserved for their community-based work. So AHEC offices across the state um, and nationwide, we provide those community-based experiences for our regional AHEC scholars. So thank you for bringing, bringing that up because even though in Virginia, we all run our AHEC scholars program, this program is part of a, of a statewide program and a part of a national program. And so uh, from a national perspective, we are starting to talk about what are student benefits? What are these uh, benefits of being an AHEC scholars so that we can offer these benefits from a national perspective and not just per state? Uh, for instance, when a scholar graduates, you know, they will get a certificate that is also signed, you know, from our national AHEC off- uh, um, office as well as maybe the state. Um, so 
uh, this is a fairly young program, but I'm going to tell you that I think we are off to a, a fantastic start in Virginia and nationwide. Um, the interest is there. It's been fun hearing from students. I got to talk to my scholars a couple of weeks ago through an orientation, and it, it was uh, I, I, we did good, I'll say. Um, it was wonderful kind of hearing their story, their upbringing, why they may have an interest in rural health or, or serving underserved populations. Um, it's phenomenal, um, trying, uh, being able to, uh, select these students, uh, to be a part of this, what we know will be a wonderful and very soon very competitive program. And you mentioned a lot of the benefits for the students. Do you see that also being benefits for rural underserved communities? Absolutely. Um, again, uh, with these students um, already getting those experiences throughout their education in our rural or our underserved areas, as I said, that comfort level is there, either because they they grew up in an area in which they are serving, or we have given them plenty of opportunities to get that experience, and they have gained that kind of comfort level, and they've gained a knowledge base uh, of of that type of community in which they're wanting to serve. So um, some of the things I like, I see myself doing uh, within the year is uh, not just tracking these experiences of our scholars, but making sure they're having some opportunities for employment um, and, and finding a good fit um, according to their, their interests and where they see themselves um, in their in their future, but helping them to find a good fit in our community, whether that's in my region um, or hopefully in my state. Okay. And we mentioned earlier that you're one of eight AHECs around Virginia, and at some point you made a comment about them not being cookie cutter. Are, are their services not identical with each AHEC and they're just regional offices? Do they do the same thing or are they specialized? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and and um, all of what you said can be true. Um, it just depends upon that state. So um, even though we have this big mission of increasing access to quality health care, you know, uh, each AHEC um uh, the, each state um, may give the AHEC Center the uh, authority or the space uh, to decide how best to address those priorities. Um, for instance, um, I was just, uh, we had a, a presentation yesterday, uh, out of North, uh, from Northeast Kentucky. And he talked about these prongs, these priorities, right? Of the health careers promotion and the community health and the continuing education and, uh, and, uh, assisting the uh, students into the community. And, you know, he said, we were like 30, 30, 10, you know, you spend 30% on your health professions pipeline, 30%, you know, on your continuing education, maybe 30% on your community health. Each center bath is to make that determination by conducting a needs assessment. What is it that your region needs? And your board, the AHEC and its board of directors should, uh, you know, through that assessment, kind of create a strategy um, and or a work plan in which to address uh, these, these things uh, in their region. So it, with Capital AHEC, we do spend uh, a little bit more than 10% uh, with our pipeline. You know, we have um, a very high dropout rate. Um, we don't, so we don't want to lose any of our youth who could be, uh, 
great providers in their future. Uh, so we work very closely with our HOSA chapters. We work, we want to work very closely with our school systems if they have another science program. Again, just engaging them and hoping that they will keep that, that interest and funneling them into, okay, you've done this program. Now why don't you do this program? Tracking them all the way into a health profession program. And then I would love to see these students into the AHEC Scholars Program. And I would love to uh, be a part of their continual development and maybe assisting them in their placement um, as a provider. So um, all of what you've asked is true. Um, that will de- that will depend upon the center, the state, and it varies across the, the region. But we all will have an AHEC Scholars Program, and we all will be, and we all have those same priorities of the connecting the students to careers, connecting professionals to communities, and the communities to better health. I hope that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Now, one clarification, you mentioned working with HOSA. What's HOSA? So thank you. HOSA is our Health Occupation Students of America. Uh, In Virginia, uh, this is a very impressive group, and it's a large group. So these are high school students who know at, at that point, at this point in their life, that they are interested in a health career. And so uh, I want to ensure that every high school in my region has a HOSA chapter. Uh, this is a very well-oiled machine, if you will. These students are impressive. They do community work in their schools. They are, they have a, a faculty or a teacher advisor, um, who helps them with fundraising. They have regional leadership conferences of which I've, I've been blessed to be a part of. They have these phenomenal statewide conferences. So it could be like a thousand students from across the state coming together at this one point of time. Um, and it's a professional development development organization. Vendors like myself are there to talk about various health careers and the resources that are available to them, uh, incentive programs. Uh, it's a pretty impressive group. And so uh, I would, so it's a group that I work very, very closely with. And I think a lot of, a lot of my other AHEC brothers and sisters do the same. Right. So that's state level. You mentioned a little bit about what the National AHEC is providing, you know, in support for the states. How are you involved with the National AHEC? That's a great question. So thank you for asking. Um, when I became an, um, a center director, I got pulled in pretty quickly uh, from answering, asking a lot of questions. I got pulled into a committee at the National AHEC uh, organization at the NAO level. Uh, so the NAO has these wonderful committees um, uh, who are of center directors or program office directors um, who, you know, who do the work. So uh, for about five or six years, I have been the chair of the center directors constituency group. So I am helping to lead a team that is the voice for all AHEC centers across the nation. And we are uh, this voice on the NAO board. As well, I serve on the diversity committee. And as of this year, Beth, I have the pleasure of serving as our NAO uh, president-elect. So I'm nervous. Um, I have learned a lot about AHEC in general uh, from NAO. And, uh, I, I find that, uh, the center directors 
we all love our jobs. We all love serving our communities uh, and and trying to do our best um, at doing that. So through at the CDCG level, being the chair, it's been great ensuring our development so that we are equipped and that we have the tools to be a strong and effective AHEC center. And so now I get to take that same vibe, that same philosophy as the president-elect is to, you know, making sure that the NAO is as resourceful as it can be for our, our AHEC program offices and for our AHEC centers. Right. So if you're a president-elect, when do you get to be president? <laughs> Next year. <laughs> Next year. I'm scared and I'm nervous. Excellent. Excellent. So I see that you're a, a very busy woman because you're also involved in a group called the National Association of Minority Medical Educators. Tell me more about them. Thank you for asking, Beth. I am a member of the National Association of uh, Minority Medical Educators. And as a matter of fact, we call ourselves NAMI uh, for short. And NAMI has a vision that is very similar to NAO. So I do hope to kind of formalize some collaborations and partnerships there. But there is no other organization like NAMI. NAMI members are uh, health professionals, um, from all of the medical, uh, not just the medical schools, but from all disciplines. So we, they, we could be from AHEC offices, um, medical schools, dental schools, pharmacy schools, uh, uh, advisors from our HBCUs. If you are an individual, that runs a, a, a program for underserved populations, runs a program for first generation rural minority uh, populations. If you are involved in like these educational programs, uh, preparing students for any health career, you know, you are encouraged to be a, a member of NAMI. Um, so there is no other organization that comprises all of the disciplines like NAMI. And uh, this year, uh, we are broken up into regions. Uh, you have the Northeast, the Western, Virginia, of course, is part of the South, the, of the Southern region. We are the largest NAMI region, and I serve as the director for the Southern region. So we have these professional development uh, conferences as an individual, like how do we be stronger advocates for our students uh, within our AHEC offices or within our schools? Um, I will say that a lot of my promotions when I was at VCU, um, I, I have to accredit uh, the uh, NAMI and the mentorship that I have I had gotten there because I was I was pretty young when I started at the VCU School of Medicine as their director and uh, I needed some mentorship and uh, it was my NAMI folk family that that kind of developed me in that fashion so um, again and so not only is it a professional development organization for individuals who work across all disciplines, it has as a focus, um, again, ensuring a diverse future workforce. So with every NAMI event, there is also a student development workshop at a regional level or a national level. So there's, uh, again, it's very similar to what I do with NAO, and I hope to kind of uh, formalize some partnerships and collaborations uh, in this next year. Thank you for asking. So with, with NAMI, you mentioned the need for a diverse health workforce. 
Why do you personally think that diversity is necessary? That's an excellent question, Beth, and I hope I I hope I have um, a strong answer on that. But <laughs> uh, you know, I am an individual who grew up in a small town in in rural in rural Virginia. Uh, love it, and still go back time and time again when I can. But you know, if it was not a life or death situation, I was one who did not see a physician on on a regular basis. But um, I will share that. Um, in a few instances, um, in my, you know, my personal experience that when I did see a physician, some things may or may not have been addressed, um, for varying reasons. Um, our country, our communities and our country is becoming more and more diverse. And I do think that it is, um, critical and important that our, Workforce, our healthcare workforce across the board, not just at a, the medical physician's level, but whether it's a nutritionist, um, a dietitian, a therapist, I do think that our workforce should represent the country, uh, the providers, and I, I mean our patients that we serve. Um, we learn from each other. Um, I, that's how we will, um, become better with, with cultural competence, being able to serve our patients despite them being of a different race or living in a different, you know, geographic area, you know, that we are aware of. But we, I think being diverse, uh, helps us with cultural competency, one, so that we can take care of our patients, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter where they, where they come from. Sure. Absolutely. And as we all know, and your case in point, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes that, that rural America, rural Virginia is, is just a bunch of white people. And that's not true, is it? That is not true. I am just as much a ruralite <laughs> as I am an African-American. <laughs> I mean, go. my, I love my, my rural upbringing. I, you know, I, I think, um, I am who I am because of where I grew up. Um, you know, my community back home in Bath County, we were a family, Beth. Um, you know, when, for instance, when our matriarch passed away, um, it was just as many, uh, white people at that funeral as it was, you know, her family, the, the, the stores, the country, the, the country markets, they all came in droves bringing food, you know, you know, to, uh, to us. We were a family. And so that's who I am, even though I'm, you know, I'm now living in Richmond, you know, I, that's who I am innately. And so I try to put that into everything I do with these students. I let them like, hey, you, we're now a cohort of students. We are a family. We look out for each other. We provide resources to each other. So, yeah, we cannot stereotype. Um, we cannot judge a book by our cover. We are all diverse in so, 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 so many ways. Now, back to you being a, a very busy woman, you've also got a side hustle, don't you? I do have a side hustle. <laughs> so, so tell me about AH Health Professions Advising. So, you know, back in uh, when I left the medical school scene back in maybe 2004, 2005, I got one of the best jobs in my life. I, first of all, I've loved all of the positions I've had the pleasure of, of holding, but I was a pre-health advisor for a couple of years at the University of Maryland. 
And what I learned um, in that position is that uh, we've talked about stereotype, <laughs> stereotypes. Um, you know, when you're at a medical school level and you have, uh, you know, thousands of applications and trying to decide who's a good fit for your school, who's going to do well, you know, admissions committees, we made some assumptions about that applicant. But as a pre-health advisor, I really got to know students. Um and their habits, um, and how they, how they do things and, and how they become the applicants that I used to see, uh, in, in medical schools. But also as a pre-health advisor, I got to meet a lot of students who had already graduated, um, were working, um, and trying to go back to school for those science courses, um, so that they could apply to a health professional school, whether it was medical or dental or what have you. So when I left, uh, the University of Maryland and came back home to Virginia, um, I, I was just contacted a lot by a lot of these students who had graduated. You know, we heard you advise students, you know, will you help me? Um, and my husband said, you know, I know that you love students and I know you love advising students, but why don't you make some money doing it? And <laughs> so uh, I started um, my own personal business advising the post back population. There is a lot of students who graduate, you know, from our universities and they are intending to apply to these health profession schools. And formally, there's not an advisor for that group. And so these individuals end up doing things on their own, thinking they know what all to do. They know they want to go back to uh, take those science courses or they need more time to prepare for the MCAT or uh, or what have you. So um, that is a group that I provide advising to, the people who have already, I don't want to step on the toes of a health professional advisor since I was one. Um, but, uh, there is a lot of students out here who are, uh, professionals and who are going back to school or doing, uh, a number of things to create a, a competitive profile so that they can apply to our medical or dental or pharmacy schools. Um, I have an, uh, a student that I am advising right now. So, yeah. And again, that's because of my love of, of helping students and helping one to kind of develop themselves professionally. Um, so, yeah, thank you. That is my side hustle, AEH Advising Health Professions. Terrific. So not only will I work with students, but I will work with educational programs who might need some consulting as well. Sounds great. So if there's a student listening to this episode who's interested in a healthcare career, what would you recommend to help them sort out what type of health professional they want to be and how to get started down that path? There are a number of ways to get uh, to get started. If you are out there and if you are listening, hello, <laughs> is it you? I'm like, <laughs> um, hello. Uh, reach out to your regional AHEC center uh, because they want to be your resource uh, for pursuing a health career. Uh, there are a number of resources, perhaps at some of the schools that may be in your area as well. As I said, VCU is in my back door. And they have a number of pipeline programs. So I don't have to run my own programs. They already have those programs in place for this area, but I do partner with them. So reach out to your AHEX because we can provide you with those resources. If you are an individual who have graduated from college and you're still wanting to pursue a health careers, reach out to me uh, with the Capital Area Health Education Center. We have a website, uh, Capital AHEC. Uh, 
capahec.org, www.capahec.org. You could give me a call at 804-655-2576, or you can send me an email at a.harris at capahec.org. Great. And we'll make sure we use links to all those resources in the show notes so people can access that information. Beth, this was wonderful. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about AHEX. I hope that I hope that you and others um, listening have gotten a, a a better understanding of what an AHEC office is and what we do, um, and how we can be a resource or a partner with you. Um, uh, I want to we want to leave no entity unturned. Like everyone is a partner in some form or fashion. Everyone is a stakeholder. So connect with your regional AHEC. Absolutely. And I've got one last question for you. Yes. If you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and healthcare in rural America? Oh, my goodness. If I could do anything. Anything. I, if I could do anything, I would run a Rams clinic <laughs> in every area across the state um, every day. <laughs> I call, I'm saying Rams because um, I'm, I'm blessed that we are able to do Rams. It's unfortunate that we need it, but I'm blessed that we can do it. Um, so these providers who just have a passion for serving others, volunteering their time to serve others. So in our areas where this is needed, I love there to be um, a RAM-like clinic, providers giving of their time to serve our underserved populations every day so that they, we don't, they don't, we don't have to wait, you know, until every summer um, because, you know, we are living every day and we're having issues and problems every day. So I would love to see the resources of a RAM um, available every day in our areas that need them the most. Absolutely. Let's make sure that everyone has access when they need it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, Elaine. Thank you, Beth. This was a pleasure. That's Aileen Edwards-Harris advocating for access to healthcare everywhere, all the time. If you want to be part of the discussion about rural health, check out the Rural Health Voice Conference. Visit vrha.org and click the events tab. Until then, make sure you get your flu shot. This year's been unreal. Now school for kids is laptops in the living room. Coronavirus turned everything upside down. But we still have to remember important stuff like getting flu shots. Why is that? In uncertain times, getting a flu shot is something we can control. It's one less health worry for our family. You're right. I read the flu causes thousands of deaths and millions of doctor visits each year. All right, then. We're getting family flu shots, and we'll tell our friends they should, too. Flu shots are more important than ever this year. This ad sponsored by the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association.